Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hits! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns hey everybody welcome back to the cover two podcast here from the akron beacon journal this is dan Cato, joined by browns beat writer nate ulrich nate how's it going good dan how are you very good uh we are nearly as good as the cleveland browns who are now a unbelievable five and two after winning a extremely fun game against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday they came on a just a special throw by Baker Mayfield and an amazing catch by Donovan Peoples-Jones in the last 30 seconds of the game so the Browns are five and two they're going to reach the halfway point this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. That game is in Cleveland at 1 o'clock on Fox. We're going to talk about that game coming up here later on on today's podcast. But we're going to start today talking about the Odell Beckham injury. He is, of course, out for the year. Torn ACL. Browns feared the worst uh, during the game. They found out the worst this week. So there's some fallout to that that we're going to go over. As we always do this week of the season, we're going to talk about the trade deadline a little bit. Maybe not a ton, but we'll, we'll touch on some stuff here and there. And and uh, like I said, we'll talk about the Raiders game coming up. But Nate, let, let's talk Odell Beckham. He's out now for the season. And it's kind of coming at a time when it, it really seems like he's finding his place in Kevin Stefanski's offense. I mean, he practically won them the game against the Cowboys. He's really started to flash, I thought, the last few games in general. But now he's out. There's this seemingly national narrative that the Browns are, Baker Mayfield specifically, is better off without Odell Beckham. What's your take on that feeling? Our colleague Marla Ridenauer wrote about it. Jarvis Landry kind of refuted that today or yesterday, whenever he did. But what what is your take on is Baker Mayfield better without Odell Beckham on the Browns? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, I think it comes from a place where Baker was so good as a rookie in 2018 without Odell. And then last year, obviously, Baker had the big step back and was with Odell all season. And I think there's an inherent pressure when you have a receiver of Odell's caliber 
to get him the ball. And Baker struggled to do that within the normal flow of the offense time and again. And we've talked about it many times. And I, I do think there's something to that. I also think here's an electric playmaker who is a home run hitter who can break off, you know, a three touchdown game uh, and deliver a 50 yard touchdown run on an end around that probably should have been a loss of 12 mm-hmm. for, for most players uh, and, and lift you to victory against the Cowboys on the road. So we saw that Odell and you know, I, it, it's just hard for me to think that you're better off without that talent. Now, is there something psychologically with Baker that, you know, with the weight off his shoulders of, of, of worrying about Odell's touches and targets, could that help Baker? I mean, we'll find, I think we're going to find out. And um, it's a very interesting debate. I wrote right after the game that this was going to be the debate. Um, and actually, when I was writing it, it and saying it on our three and out podcast and our three and out video afterward with George Thomas and Marla Reidenauer and Steve Dorschick, George said, well, it's already happening. Like this is the buzz on among fans right now. Um, what he was seen on social. So yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that it's going to continue to be a topic. Um, but I think that, you know, you're going to see times like Jarvis Landry said today on on the radio, he went on 92.3 The Fan, mm. and he said a lot of what we do offensively is based solely on Odell and how defenses treat us as a result of the threat that Odell poses. So I do think you're going to see situations where you're like, man, it, it, the Browns really could have used Odell Beckham Jr. there. I, 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 I compare it to Nick Chubb, right? I mean, the, the Browns have been able to get by and win some games without Nick Chubb, but there sure are times where you think, man, in that situation, it'd be great to have one of the best running backs in the league. You know, and I think there's going to be times where you're going to say, wow, it'd be great to have one of the most electric playmakers in the league. And Odell, you know, the deep threat isn't there. There's not an obvious deep threat, you know, burner. Um, you know, I know Donovan Peoples-Jones is is one of the faster guys on the team. And obviously he had uh, a nice performance there with the three catches in the fourth quarter. But those were the first receptions of his career. So. It's not like, you know, he's proven in the NFL and you can count on him to, to come out and and do that every 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 quarter. So yeah, I I'm kind of on the side of yeah, I could see where this could help Baker mentally. Um uh, maybe he's just a little more comfortable, there's a little more weight off his shoulders, but ultimately I come down on the side of you know, I think more good players is better than fewer good players. And uh, I'm eager to see how it unfolds though and, and, and be convinced one way or the other more than just kind of being a little more on the fence like I am right now. See, I, I feel the same way obviously about the last part that you said of, I I'm excited to kind of see what happens. One of the things I've, I, have wondered all season or I guess since the start of the season and I can't recall if we talked about this or not was and this is a very strange thing to say in the context of the Cleveland Browns but did they have too many good pieces that you have to feed in that you know Jarvis Landry needs targets 
you paid Austin Hooper, so Austin Hooper, Hooper gets targets. Um, you know, they drafted Harrison Bryant, David Njoku's still there. They involved the running backs in the passing game. So from that standpoint, I'm excited to see how the ball gets distributed now. You know, I, I, I was really dismayed during the one game where the Browns seemingly threw to Beckham. I think it was the third quarter, maybe the second game of the year, or the first game of the year where they just threw to him over and over and over and over and over and over. And I, I thought that killed the philosophy of their offense. And yeah, that was in Baltimore. Yeah. Or that was in week one. When he, yeah. Yeah, he had like, I don't Ten know. Ten targets. Eleven targets, yeah. Yeah. Three catches or something, 20-some yards, something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I mean about struggling to get him the ball in the normal flow of the offense, struggling to consistently get him the ball in the normal flow of the offense. And that's the thing, Dan, like that's why you hear about the NFL, you know, when it comes to real team building, this isn't fantasy football because like if you're playing a video game or fantasy football, you just plug in all the best players and you don't have to worry about the human element. You know, you don't have to worry about sports psychology you don't have to worry about team chemistry morale relationships uh but guess what in real life you have to worry about all that stuff and so when you have odell beckham jr you have a great playmaker you also have a very fiery competitor a very fiery personality who's not afraid to make it known when he's not happy so that's what i talk about or that's what i'm thinking about that's in the backdrop of the conversation about pressure being on Baker, you know, pressure being on the quarterback to keep that guy happy because that guy wants to be a legend. Odell wants to be thought of as one of the best receivers of all time, a Hall of Fame guy. And to get that recognition, to achieve that goal that he believes he's destined for, you have to produce. Right. You know, answer this kind of part of the riddle for me. Last week, you you did what I, I thought was a really great story of talking to Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. And Steve is, to me, one of the you know best football minds in the country right now. And but you, you talk to him in the context of what do the analytics kind of say about Baker Mayfield, but it was also in the context of Odell Beckham being part of that equation. How does what Steve said about Baker Mayfield and and where he is good and bad right now line up on a team without that deep threat, maybe without Odell Beckham? Because from my amateur eyes, Mayfield is kind of a guy who struggles some on the deep ball, and he's obviously sailing passes high at times. So how, how do you weigh what Steve had to say now compared to last week, say? Well, I mean, to break it down in uh, my simplest interpretation, because I don't have the football brain or probably just the brain in general that Steve has. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, w- I would say that Steve's biggest concerns about Baker entering last weekend were centered on Baker's uh, reads uh, and decision-making. And 
believing that, you know, Baker's just struggling with the simple reads and the standard decision-making that you need to succeed as an NFL quarterback. And Baker, uh, which is connected to that, is holding the ball and was holding the, was holding the ball at least heading into uh, week seven, holding the ball longer than any other quarterback in the NFL. And so, you know, maybe the pressure to, to look for Odell or to feed it to Odell, maybe with that off Baker's plate, maybe the reads simpler, maybe the ball gets out quicker. That is kind of, I think, if you're looking at, you know, a, a, a glass half full, you know, can Baker actually inexplicably do better without one of the better receivers in the league at his disposal and, you know, operate very well with the pieces that are left, I think that might be how you would view it. It's kind of a simplification, you know. Um, And I think it goes back to what you said about (laughs) can you have too many really good players and, and, and really you know, dangerous targets and weapons on offense. And again, I think with the human element, there is that potential. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with the human element part of it. So we'll we'll see how that kind of develops, obviously, against the Raiders. And again, we'll we'll preview the game at the end of the podcast today. But Nate, let's let's briefly talk trade deadline. It is next Tuesday is also election day so um if you hate politics as much as i do the trade deadline will be a nice distraction for you but be that as it may nate you know i I think every year i i try and get you to say something on will the browns make a move what move could they make You, you know that kind of line of questioning so my question this year to you since the browns are five and two should the Browns try and make a move at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think they should because there are a couple of spots on this team where I think that, you know, if they can add a, add a player, uh, you know, could really elevate them. Safety, linebacker, and now receiver with Odell down, I think are obvious spots that could really help themselves. You know, maybe you can add a deep threat who's a little more proven than your rookie six-round pick. Donovan Peoples-Jones obviously came through huge Sunday, but like I said, you know, we don't know what he's going to be doing over the the course of the final nine games. Maybe there's somebody out there who can give you something. So I, I look at those positions. I think the Browns are, you know, Obviously in a position where they're going to be right there, should be right there. They keep heading in the direction they're in for a wild card spot. And, you know, they, they should, in my opinion, be uh, <laughs> be buyers at this point because they're uh, a team with, a uh, you know, its best record since through seven games since 1994. And, you know, they... This is a, a franchise that desperately wants to snap this 
playoff drought that's been uh, going since 2002. And, and, you know, when you get there, if you can upgrade one of those positions, obviously you're going to stand a better chance. And I think that there are, are you know, I don't know if, if they can get what they need, uh, you know, to substantially enhance each of those positions, but maybe maybe one guy at one of those positions could make a difference. I think so, too. And I, I think if there's time to be aggressive, and I, obviously it's, it's much different in football than the other big sports in this country, but if now, if, if this is the year to be aggressive, you go be aggressive. And that's the case when you're five and two. And it's the case when you already have extra picks in the fifth round next year, the fourth round next year, and the third round next year. I don't think there would be anything wrong with packaging some kind of picks to go get a player, particularly on defense, because the defense has been terrible. You pointed out linebacker and safety. Nate, I, I got to tell you, I might even throw a pass rusher on there just because if, if it's not Miles Garrett, the Browns just can't get to the quarterback consistently. You know, we, no, you're we right about that. You're right about that. I just, you know, the other two seem so glaring to me. They, they are. I mean, and Sandejo's, Sandejo finally didn't play every snap the other day. Right. But he's still playing a ton. And until yeah. he's not, I'm thinking safety's just the most glaring need. I uh, agree. Unless, unless they're willing to mix it up. They've got other guys, you know. I, I, just, see the, I just see the Ravens going out there and getting Yannick Ngakwe from the from the Vikings for yeah. Yeah. nothing almost. And you you would hope the Browns are able to do something. I, I have to assume they're they're exploring everything um, diligently, but we'll see. It's it's so much tougher in the NFL and then in a year where what do you guys have to get like five consecutive days of negative coronavirus testing before they can even join a new team is that is that what it is um i think it is that's tough five or six that's tough i mean what's going in the browns favor in that regard is that they have their bye coming up but i i don't know if the, the defense is so bad um that that Something has to be done to try and fix the defense. I, I don't know what the adjustment is, but it's it's really bad. I mean, I agree. And a pass rusher would would make a lot of sense too. I mean, because they're kind of living and dying by that right now, right? Living and dying by the yep. takeaways, and living yep. and dying by Miles Garrett getting home. And you know, fortunately for them, it has masked a lot of problems. Like I talked about last week with with all the takeaways and him leading the NFL in sacks with nine right now. Uh, obviously, you know, there's trip sack against Joe Burrow. Um, but they've got, like I said, they've got guys at safety. I think you just got to shake it up. Maybe after the bye, we'll finally see that. Um, you know, when they have time to kind of realign everything and then and get guys, you know, mentally ready for it um, in terms of, you know, playbook responsibilities. Because let's face it, there's a lot of young guys, you know, like the options are or Ronnie Harrison, Sheldrick Redwine, you know, obviously, you know, they need to get Carl Joseph back healthy. He played a little bit in his first game back from a hamstring injury. 
But yeah, I think that um, one thing I would say that I want to I want to mention. Obviously, the the one player you look at and think that they could trade is David Njoku. Mm-hmm. But you know, Austin Hooper had an appendectomy, so he's not he's probably not going to play the Raiders, um, but should be back after the bye. And with with Odell down, you, you would think that they're probably not going to be trading pass catchers. You know, right. Uh, now, maybe they would trade Njoku if they got a pass catcher in return, if that were, if that were the deal. Um, but I, I'm just inclined to think that they're not going to trade a pass catcher in the aftermath of this injury. We talk about the tight ends being, you know, receiver-esque <laughs> mm-hmm. to a large extent in the NFL now. And, and hell, I mean, they're tight ends with – Harrison Bryan and Njoku combined for three of the touchdown catches against the Bengals. So that's kind of how I look at that, you know, but maybe Njoku would be moved if they could get, if they could add to that group in return. But I just don't, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't expect them to be trading Njoku for a non-pass catcher. Um, I think you need to gain pass catcher at this point. So the the only thing I would say to Njoku is that I will not be surprised by anything that happens with him, whether it's he's traded or he's kept. If he becomes a featured part of the offense now with Odell Beckham out, or whether he's traded for a, a pass catcher or a safety or the Browns outright cut him. I, anything with David and Joku, I, I you know, feel like is is in play at this point. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. It is in play, but um, man, he made a great touchdown catch in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. When he's on, he is incredible. Unfortunately, he has seven catches this year. So it is what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was hurt too, but I yeah. understand. So. Yeah, I think they need. I think they need to be aggressive. Now, here's the good news, and I believe him. Andrew Barry said, if, if there's anything he wants to be defined by, it's by aggression when it comes to these, uh, you know, moves, roster building. So, I would not be surprised at all. And I already voted, so I don't have to worry about standing <laughs> on election day and we're and thinking, oh no. The Browns gonna make a trade. I gotta, you know, write. No, I already voted, so there, there's my update. That's that's a dedication to uh, being a a working maniac, which which you are. Um, I I completely forgot about that Andrew Barry quote. That adds a little extra spice to next Tuesday, if you ask me. Yeah, I think so. It's like we're so used to John Dorsey doing everything, right? Like John Dorsey, it's like if you like fantasy football, <laughs> you know, he was he was the one, right? I mean, look at all the huge names on this roster. He brought them in. Like right. John Dorsey is so aggressive. Now, I think you still get that with Andrew Barry. That's what he wants to do. But you just don't get the character risks with Andrew Barry like you did with Dorsey. Like Dorsey was like had, had like the highest risk character risk tolerance in the NFL, or if not the highest one of them, he was right up there. Mm-hmm. So 
but you still have an aggressive GM. Yeah, you do. And you have ammo and you're good. So that's quite a mixed brewing for, for the Browns with the trade deadline coming up again. And that is Tuesday. So make sure you stay tuned for that on, on our website, on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But Nate, last thing this week before we get out of here, the Browns are coming up on one of these, I guess we would call them a measuring stick game. You know, when throughout the year, when the schedule came out, we've, we've kind of talked about the games against the Colts, the Raiders, and the Titans kind of as these measuring stick games for the Browns. They're, they're not on the same level as the Steelers and Ravens, and they've shown it um, in, in those two bad beats. But the Raiders are a team like the Colts, who they beat, a team that is going to be right in there for a wild card spot like the Browns are. So what, what is your, your thing you're going to be kind of looking to see from the Browns in this game against the Raiders, which is a team that has a bad defense and an inconsistent quarterback? Well, I'm just, I, I think this is all about what we opened with. And I don't want to sound too repetitive, but I think really the theme is how does Baker, how does Kevin Stefanski as the offensive play caller, and how does the offensive, the offense as a whole adjust and move forward without Odell Beckham Jr.? Like, I think that's the theme of the week. That's the theme heading, you know, into the game and throughout the game. And, I, obviously, Baker caught fire, 21 consecutive completions, a franchise record, only broke that streak by spiking the ball to stop the clock on the game-winning drive, tied another franchise record with five touchdown passes. Now, the Bengals are the 25th-ranked defense, you know, not world beaters, but that's who Baker was playing. So I give Baker a ton of credit. By the way, playing through a cracked rib, x-rays initially uh, were negative according to the, the Browns, and upon further review, has a cracked rib. Um, so, you know, I, I think Baker's showing us something here uh, with the way he was a target of, of you know, rampant criticism uh, last week after that embarrassment against the Steelers, but for him to be playing hurt, and for him to light up the Bengals like he did after that 0 for 5 start with a pick on his first pass, you know, I thought that should give Browns fans some hope, you know, that he's still that resilient quarterback that, that they really had high hopes for as a rookie in 2018. So I want to just see. That's the, the main thing I'm looking for is can Baker stay hot and can this offense – keep putting up points now that they're making this major adjustment without Odell. And, you know, they'll have more time to regroup after the bye, but they got to get through this. And it is a crucial game. Like you said, we talked about a few weeks ago, there's these, there are these teams that fear to be in that AFC wildcard mix and you want to beat those teams head to head. Yep. You sure do. Especially in a season where, the two teams in front of you in the north are so good. These are the teams you have to beat. So Browns did it against the Colts. We'll see if they can do it against the Raiders. And in a few weeks, we'll see 
about the very tough game coming up against the Titans, but that is going to do it for our podcast this week. Next week is going to be to be determined. Um, Tuesday is out for sure because it's the election and I'm going to be way too busy personally. And Nate's going to be busy with the trade deadline. So um, next week we'll see about a podcast. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, The status of next week's podcast is similar to the status of David and Joku on the Browns. Let's go with that. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it is the bye week, though. But who knows what will happen after November 3rd. Uh, you hate politics, so we're not going to get into when we're going to find out the the results. But it could oh. be a busy it could be a busy week in the news business. <laughs> Very busy. So of course we'll have coverage of that. But more importantly, we will. Yeah, this is more important. We will have full coverage of the Cleveland Browns over on BeaconJournal.com/sports/Browns. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. There's some really good stuff up on our site right now. There's that story that Nate did with with Steve from Pro Football Focus, Marlos Column on Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry's refuting of that notion. Um, Nate's after game thoughts on on the game against the Bengals. So a lot of good stuff. So go check that out. Beaconjournal.com slash sports slash brands. So thanks everybody for listening to cover two this week. We'll talk to you next time.